Hey guys, we have kind of a different show today. There's no song of the week this week because we were doing an interview and uh, we're going from uh, Hawaii to New York. So the times was a six hour time change and a lot of different stuff. So we didn't throw a, a song of the weekend this week, uh, but uh, roll with it. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, here you go. Here's your show. This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy. We are here. It's uh, the middle of July. I am in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And today we're going to have a guest talking to us from the far east coast of the United States. We are all over the place with this show today. It's going to be just an absolute hoot. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about something, uh, though. Um, people who give to us keep us going. We are 100% listener supported. So we thank everyone who gives to us, who makes it possible for all this to happen. If you're interested in giving, you can go to messituppodcast.com, click on the button that says become a patron, and um, it will take you to our Patreon giving page, walk you through everything you want to do. If you prefer to do a text to give, um, you can text the word mum to 760-WALLS-CA, W-A-L-L-S-C-A, that gets us into the prison walls of California, helps us to do the things that we do for uh, those families and those uh, inmates. So um, the uh, the text to give is 100% tax deductible. The Patreon, Patreon keeps about 8%, so we're only able to give you a tax break on 92%. But still, hey, if you're looking for a nice way to get a tax deduction, we are here to help you out. Thank you very much to all of our patrons who make it possible for you to hear the show. If you want to tell people about the show, a uh, great way to do it is social media. We are on all the major social spots and the minor ones like MySpace. We've got a MySpace place. Nobody checks us out. I want to tell you this, though. All of you, you all missed out on free coffee because nobody took me up on my free coffee offer on Reddit. Check out our subreddit. It's Messed Up Ministries. And every once in a while, I just get bored and I say, hey, first person to respond to this by this time gets free coffee. Last one went unnoticed. So check us out on Reddit. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, wherever you get your social, look for us there and uh, maybe you get some free coffee as well. Um, today, our word of the week was brought to us by uh, intern Dave. And I thought I had already done this word, but I did a check and I hadn't. Our word of the week this week is superfluous. Dave, what does superfluous mean? Uh, unnecessary, especially through being more than enough. Yeah, like I've got more than enough guests and and, uh, and hosts on the show today. I might leave so that Dave can take over. Uh, you might have heard we got intern Dave because we're out here in Hawaii. So thanks for joining the show, Dave. Oh, yeah. Pleased to be here. Yeah. Uh, 10 bonus points every time you use superfluous in a sentence. If you can use it in a superfluous way, give yourself 20. Well, it seems like I'm superfluous. <laughs> <laughs> Always, Dave. No, you're just super. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, Dave's cousin. Nicole from New York is joining us today. So welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Hey, how you doing? It's super awesome. I love hearing people with accents talk and um, Nicole's definitely got an accent. I met Nicole. I don't remember <laughs> when it was. It, I, I want to say it was like maybe 2007 that we were back yeah. in New York. It was a long time ago. We had uh, dinner at a restaurant um, called the what cottage. Was it? the cottage, the cottage, it was the cottage. well known for Chinese food. I don't think it's still around. Do you know? 
Uh, I, you know what? I've always wanted to go back there, but I haven't been. I don't, I don't know if it's still around. I, I've been back there afterwards since we've oh. been there. Um, but no. And what were they? We had Szechuan. They they specialize yeah. in Szechuan cuisine. Yeah. It was delicious. Oh, yeah, it was so on, good. On, what in uh, Amsterdam? What what's? Seventy seventh in Amsterdam in the city. West West seventy seventh. West seventy seventh. On the west side. Well, when I when I actually I we got lost because we went to the wrong seventy seventh. Oh. Yeah, you went to the East seventy seventh. Yeah, and then we. <laughs> We busted a tire and then oh. we tried to change our tire on the road. And uh, oh, this was with you and Heather. Heather, yeah. This is a different time. Oh. I didn't go that time. No, no, that's just me and Heather. This is yeah. that sounds rough. And then we try and change the tire, but the guy in front of our store, and we were in front of his store, you know, it was taking up his parking. He didn't want us there. So oh, we had wow. A bunch of his yeah. workers come out and change a tire for us to get us out of there. So there you go, folks. If you need to have a tire, that works change, out. Break yeah. down in front of somebody's store. So they'll send out helpers to, yeah. uh, to help you out. Well, you that's the true, true definition of a New York minute. You know, the New York minute, they need to make it happen. So his business needs to happen. So he's going to make sure, you know, that yeah. if you're disrupting his business, which helped you out in a way. So yeah, yeah. New York is very friendly. We do help people out. You know, I was really surprised with that. When I've only been to New York City twice. One of it was just a 24 hour layover. I went in, I got a, a piece of pizza at Times Square. I got a pretzel from a vendor. I got a hot dog from a vendor. And I went to a Yankees game and then I flew home. Um, wow. And uh, I said, I got to go back. So we went back. Dave went with us. Um, and that was the thing I found. New Yorkers were not like what you see on TV or whatever. It's not that typical, like New York attitude, like, hey, get out of here, whatever. It was like everybody was trying to help us. They're like, oh, hey, that subway's broken. You want to go to the next one? Hey, you got to go up the stairs. It was just everybody was super, super kind and helpful. Yeah. So I, yeah. The, the, the depths of New York comes from like people who are just you know, all from all different places. I mean, it is transient in a way, but it's, I feel like everybody, once you come to New York, you, you, you call it home and, and, and you want to kind of save a little piece of it, you know, humanity for yourself. So I feel that, you know, I have, I have many different friends from many different places um, who live in New York um, in different boroughs and they're just like the salt of the earth. They're just great people. And, and I think that, that, that meshes well when, especially when you, don't have such great people. Well, my yeah, grandson yeah. said today, he said, well, who'd want to live in New York? And I was like, I would, if I could afford it, I would love to live in New York. I mean, I come from a small town in the middle of the desert in California. So New York is just like, I love that. Bumping into people, walking on the street, just seeing like 57 people and nobody looks the same as anybody else. It's just all, I mean, it's the, the melting pot idea. That's <laughs> New York. It's just everybody from everywhere. You hear sounds. I remember walking uh, in Little Italy and we're walking down Mulberry Street. And I was like, oh, let's go one block over, see what's over that way. All of a sudden we're in Chinatown. It's like, it smelled different. You know, there's yeah. a bit of garlic in the air. There's fish heads in the gutter. And it's like, wow. It's yeah. cool. And you just, everything's different. It's I loved it. I just, I love that. And it meshes. It, yeah. it meshes well. You know, it's funny, like New York, like if you think about New York, I think like you're describing like New York City. Um, but like living in New York, you have like the best of both worlds because I camp and I, I like to hike a lot. So I do a lot of driving up to like upstate New York and stuff. And then like the Arirondacks and all this other places. And, and you get to like really enjoy nature and you know, just like in the middle of the woods, like, wow. You know, and and still for not in New, New Yorkers, York. upstate is anything that's not the city. There's two places in New York. There's the city and there's upstate, right? Yep. Oh, and yep, then Long Island. <laughs> yep then you got then you got long island absolutely you got you got long island you got the five boroughs and then when you start going like 
the Bronx is kind of connected to that upstate when you start going to like Westchester and you pass Westchester and you go up and you go to Duchess and then you drive all the way up to Albany. That's pretty much going upstate. Um, it's beautiful, like Bear Mountain and a lot of really, really great, awesome wildernessy, hikey, awesome. I like find like like creeks and springs and stuff and jumping off of like these high rocks into these like freshwater creeks. My bed does cool. that. Creeks and springs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. can hear that, uh, you know, Nicole, you've lived uh, quite a life. You, you grew up in the city, in the Bronx? I grew up, I grew up in the Bronx in, in a, in a place called uh, Pelham Bay. Um, we, we, we think oh, wow. of it as Pelham Bay Throgs Neck. There's yeah. a movie mm-hmm. taking a Pelham Bay or something like that. Yeah. I think that was about the six train. I, I grew up yeah. by Pelham Bay, which I grew up right by Pelham Bay park, which is actually the biggest park in New York city. It's three times bigger than uh, central park. Really? Um, it, oh, yeah. Yeah. It runs Jeepers. up the whole Hutchison parkway. Um, and uh, it has tons of wildlife, deer, turkeys, all that other stuff. But oh. yeah, I grew up in a section in, P- in Pelham Bay Park, but I grew up in a section country club in the Bronx, which um, is, is uh, not typical like you'd see on TV, like you'd say, um, you know, uh, all houses and like more suburban area. And I grew up pretty much on the water, um, which is the three waters. So it's like the East River. Um, it's the Long Island Sound. And I believe it's the... Hutchinson, Henry Hutchinson River. Hudson. Um, Hudson. Uh, is it the Hudson? No, it's, yeah, the Henry Hudson, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I should know that. But anyway, so there's three bodies of water that all kind of meet together um, because I'm right by like the Throgs Neck Bridge. And so we basically, some of my friends' backyards, especially in Country Club, like right down the block, like two, right. blo- two, ha- two houses away from mine, we'd go to this dead end, we'd jump off the rocks into the water in this like little in cove. Um, but it was a neighborhood called Country Club, and um, it was it was pretty unique being in the Bronx. Um, That's what I remembered. Been, I don't yeah. remember Pelham Bay. I remember I remember Country Club. Well, Country Club is in Pelham Bay. Oh, so okay. the area, yeah. So oh, so it's crazy. So you know what? The area is pretty pretty has a lot of history to it. Um, like it's funny because the White Castle, where the White Castle sits in Westchester Square, is like. Um, there's a placard outside of it. It's like one of the places where like uh, George Washington like won one of the battles and stuff. Like, George Washington it has the White Castle. Well, yeah, yeah, where the White Castle Gotta is eat now. Something. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, I, it's pretty famous. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history and, and and stuff. So, and there was a lot of like broken up farm mansions. So how the different places in Pelham Bay were broken up were like estates. So where. Um, we were in country club, but, but my house was in like the Spencer estates, um, mm. on Spencer, on Spencer drive. That's where, that's where I, I kind of grew up, um, from like five to about 16 years old. Um, I lived there, um, in country club for a little bit. Um, and, uh, I went to a private school, the villa, which is in country club for a couple of years. And then I went to a Catholic school, um, Ole. And then I went to a uh, Catholic um, high school, a private high school, um, where I um, swam and, and com- competed and did basketball and a bunch of sports. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your, your yeah. life, I mean, you are uh, living in New York. You're in your, obviously, your early 20s. Right now? Right now, yeah. Yeah, that sounds that. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's um, great. I like how you so, did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but your family's had a, a rough life. You've had a lot of loss in your life and your family, it wasn't like, you know, uh, Hallmark movie postcard type. Well, so throughout. that's the funny part that I'm sorry to cut you off that you bring no, okay. up because it's New York. Um, so can merge. <laughs> I will. I'll just jump right. You got to get it. It's that New York. Minute, and you guys, you know? I wish we were doing video right now because the sun is setting over your head. And it's just gorgeous there. Uh, we can't really <laughs> tell, but um, in the background, she's got the city there and Empire State Building and Sunset. And it's just, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's funny because I would, uh, I wrote a, I, I don't know what grade I was in, but I wrote this paper on, uh, on the facade. It was like called the facade of something. And, um, and it was basically the facade of living in a nice neighborhood, living in a nice, you know, two family house and, and, and going to a nice school and having a nice car. And, 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 and it was, and it's basically a facade, you know, all of, you know, the shame that, you know, you, even I felt growing up in the eighties and I still feel like lingers on the shame of addiction, the shame of mental illness, the, you know, that, that it's, you know, it, it, sometimes it's too late for people to get help because they've been burying it deep, deep, deep down to, to kind of rid themselves of like self-shame and shame from their community and, and like disappointment, which um, I feel like is such an ironic thing because it, it, it's not so simple, like addiction and mental illness, not so simple, but I feel like a quick turnaround that, that, that awareness and, and we could do is like flip the shame side. Um, and just going back to my point is like, um, you know, have this like fake, <laughs> this fake great, great facade going on of everything's okay, but really in the inner core of, of my household and my childhood, it, it, it wasn't okay. Like, you know, um, I had, you know, I, I, I have two parents who, you know, definitely were, um, they met when they were 13 years old at, at, at a dance, at a high school dance, um, which is, which is really cute um, because, uh, my, my mom's friends played a played a little cruel little teenage joke on her. I think she was 13 and I think my dad was 14. They were a year apart. And my my mom's friends said that there was going to be a costume dance party at St. Raymond's High School on Tremont Avenue in the Bronx. And uh, my mom showed up in a poodle skirt and dressed as 50s. And uh, she arrives to the to the auditorium and looks around and not one person is dressed up. And oh, she geez. was so embarrassed. Uh -huh. And she runs to downstairs to the auditor, you know, to get on the payphone to call my um, my grandma, the famous Emma Dam. And uh, but Emma's already out. She's already out on the town. So she said, "No, no, no, I'm not coming to get you, my dearie." You know, yeah. you know, until until the end of that thing, because you know I'm out enjoying myself and whatever else. And so my mom, you know, with her tail between her legs, went back upstairs and sat, you know, in a chair instead of like dancing and enjoying herself and mingling with her friends that she was extremely mad at. And uh, my dad sashayed across the dance floor and he uh, walked up to her and he was like, wow, he was like, you, you're you really brave for wearing that. And uh, would you like to dance? And uh, that's how they met. Was that so, when he was in the bear suit that I heard about? I don't I don't I don't think he was. <laughs> I don't think he was wearing a bear suit, but he uh, he was probably wearing some uh, golf shoes that he took the spikes off of because he liked the way they looked. I heard about that. Um, so so going back to that, so they met when they were young and you know living you know living in you know the sixties, the seventies, and you know they're two two very 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 lively teenagers filled with life, full of dreams, aspirations, hope, filled with a lot of personality and. 
and, and had a lot of family trauma. Um, my dad for one, you know, and my mom for one, and, and, and both probably had some, well, I know for sure. Um, you know, my dad passed when I was seven, but, um, you know, at the age of 32, but I know for sure my mom definitely had some mental illness that really wasn't addressed at a younger age or even in, you know, teenage or twenties, you know, and, um, you know, so my mom- You didn't mom talk about and, that stuff back then. No, they, they did it. And, and just kept it. I, I had an aunt that was institutionalized and we, we never knew anything about it. We just knew, oh, that was Aunt Alice and she was there, but it was just not talked about because it was uh, embarrassing. And, and there was, like you said, the shame around it. And even just going to see a, a counselor or a psychologist or psychiatrist was, you know, you don't want your boss to find out because you might lose your job. And yep. Yeah, there, there, there's tons of it. And, and also, you know, uh, or may, it may look like you're just not able to handle life. You know, like a lot right. of people have this, right. you know, like, you know, I, cause you know, for one, I have to say my mom was, uh, she, she was able to kind of keep that, that engine running for a while without the proper gasoline because she was a hard worker. She like, you know, so, so going back to it, they were together, you know, they were, they were crazy in love. They got together. You know, my mom was like kicked out of her house at 16. My dad was like a hard worker, like learned how to tile from like my mom's cousin's husband, like at like 17, he like paid for my mom's apartment, got them. Then they went out to California, to San Diego, Ocean Beach. Woo -woo. And, um, and they like started the business out there and did their thing. And then, you know, I was uh, conceived somewhere around the line, but then my mom went back to New York to have me and then came back to Cali for a little bit. And they were together for a little bit and um, having some some troubles, you know what I mean? And and they separated. And um, my dad was actually sick. Uh, uh, you know, my dad uh, at the time, you know, because there's so much shame around it. Uh, I, I, I thought it was, you know, I was told it was cancer, but um, my dad did did contract uh, the the AIDS virus in, in the 80s. And um due to, you know, not having, you know, the proper medicine or even like the knowledge and medical books and, and different things like that, or even understanding that there's this thing that could kill you, like other than cancer, that was like the only thing that that was really probably known at the time that that was that fatal. Um, didn't really properly, you know, that, that go to the right, you know, take, you know, take it seriously and take care of himself and, and all that. So he, you know, started to get sick. How did sick you find and, out about that? You know, that you said they told you it was cancer. Or how did you find out? When did you find out? Uh, when did I find out that it wasn't? Right. Because I, I felt it. And, um, and I remember that, you know, it's funny because, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, you're as a kid, you're very like you're in tune. Like I think people take, you know, kids are sponges and, and you're inquisitive, especially if you're trying to like navigate the uh, dysfunctional world around you and you're hypervigilant. And I remember like uh, just the way the hospital was. I remember going to visit him. And in the time um, it, this was like 80, 87, uh, well, probably 88 more because he died in December of 89. Um, wow, that's really early uh, with that then. Yeah, super early. And um, well, yeah, he, he was told he was sick. Right. And then like he used to, kept working. My dad was like a really hard worker. So he just kept working and doing his own thing. And then like I rem like I think he got like he first got like pneumonia and he got sick and then like winded up like not feeling well. And then like I remember the phone call that my 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 dad gave to my mom. Um, saying that he was going to go out to California to like go spend some time with his friends. And I think he stayed with, with, with you guys, Dave. And yeah. um, 
And that when he comes, and I remember like, cause you know, I'm inquisitive and I was like, I was like a little nosy kid. And I remember like, like, oh my God, that's my dad. And I remember running to the room and I just remember seeing like the look on my mom's face, like, ah, that doesn't look right. Whatever. It didn't go with the phone call, you know? And um, she was like, all right, Billy, you know? And um, he, she, you know, he was like, well, when I come back, you know, I, I want Nicole to, to live with me. I want to like spend some time with her. And I was just like over the moon with that. I was like, all right, that's awesome. And so she was like, all right, Bill, you know, and I think he went out there and, you know, did his thing and worked and spent time. And, 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 and he got too sick to, to when he came back, the, the next time I seen him was not me moving into an apartment with him. It yeah. was uh, me visiting him in the hospital. Um, and so what I, yeah. So what I remember was like going in and at first they wouldn't like, let me see, mm-hmm. I guess we had a meet on the bottom, but they didn't know how to bring him down or something. And then, my aunt, my aunt was a nurse, um, and I think she was working at Jacoby at the time. So I think she might have had a little bit of pull or whatever, and especially since I was his kid um, or so. But um, then finally, I think we were able to go upstairs, and they cut off half the ICU floor, and they, like, put it up in some, like, decom, like, like plastic sheaths everywhere. Yeah. And then you had to, like, I had to, like, robe up in this, like, uh, we all yeah. looked like astro- astronauts, you know, and, like, we had to, like, zip into the room, and then you had to zip into another room, and then finally zip into his room, and then, like, you know, and then everybody's just in an astronaut suit, but, you know, I always thought how sad that was for him to feel like that, like, when he's passing away, that, like, he can't even, you know, because nowadays, like, you know, like, it's, we know it's not airborne, like, you, you're, you're, you're hugging, yeah. you're, 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 you're kissing, you're holding your loved one, and, like, he's sitting there with people, are like you know have to touch them with a, like a rubber glove um through like a hazmat suit which is you know very uh dehuman hu- hu- uh dehumanizing i Dehuman, guess but yeah yeah so um that's kind of how i knew and then anyway so like i think it was like my 13th birthday and my mom was like oh, my mom <laughs> came to grant like it's like hey you know like obviously she's like hey i want to you know want to talk to you i want to you know talk to you and I, when I always hear that I want to talk to you, there's either somebody died or it's not good. And I was like, um, and I knew somebody didn't die. I just felt it. And I was like, and then she's like, I just want to, you know, sit down. Let's sit down. Like, you know, whenever you tell you to sit down, you're like, oh God, like, I don't want to sit down. Like, just tell me, tell me standing up, you know? Yeah. And then, so she asked me to sit down and whatever. And I just looked at it. I was like, nope, nope, I'm not ready. I don't want to know. And then the next year I, I remember going up to her and saying, hey, that time, that time that you were going to sit me down and talk to me, right? I said, you, you, you were going to tell me that my dad passed from AIDS, right? And she was like, oh, yeah, how did you know that? And I was like, I just felt it. I just, I just felt it. I just, I just knew. Um, and that was like when I was a teenager, like probably like 12, 13. He passed when I was seven. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, they separated and my mom wised up, uh, you know, kind of, you know, you know, moving in with, with a friend with me and like, you know, tr- you know, trying to like get, you know, she worked two jobs and trying to, you know, you know, just, I guess, like raise me, I guess, as a, as a four or five year old and then met my sister's father. Um, and, uh, it was know, a different uh, father. I, I didn't know she had a different father. Yeah, she did. She, oh, okay. she, she yeah, she met, um, my mom, it's actually, it's actually funny because it's not, it's, you know, like when you talk about true love and it's, and it, it's just a reality of things like my mom was pregnant with like my sister when my dad was sick and, and my mom had it like had a newborn my sister was born um october of 89 and my father died december of 89 and my mother was bringing me to the hospital to see him every day after school 
and she had a newborn. She had a two month year old at home. Wow. Um, and so, and, and, and I do remember, um, so my dad was, my mom and my dad did like really nice things when they had an apartment. It was really nice. And, you know, like they just liked nice things and just to look nice and, and just enjoy life. And, uh, and so my dad is, as, as you know, being there, laying in the hospital, I remember he had a Walkman and he would, and we, we got him cassettes and he loved like the B-52s and, and Rod Stewart. And, and he used to listen to that. And then um, magazines, like get him a bunch of magazines. He wanted all the tile magazines, Dave. He wants to see all the tile stuff. And uh, so whatever, he had this home like housekeeping magazine or something. And he, my, I remember me, my, and we had this, uh, he was able to talk at once. And then when they put a trach in his throat, he could only, um, you know, he would communicate with a chalkboard, you know, but uh, so he was cutting out pictures of like couches and all this other stuff, like furniture for a house. And, and he's like, Patty, you know, when I, when I, when I, when I get out of here, he's like, you know, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to get a nice house and we're going to put all this furniture in it. And he was like, and don't worry. He was like, he was like, I'll take, I'll take the, the little, the little, you know, the Danielle could come with us. Like, you know, and I was like super excited. And my mom was like, yes, Billy. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. And she was like, yeah. And like totally like going along with it. And I was like, whoa, this is freaking awesome. Like my dad's going to, you know, like, and they're going to get bet, you know, whatever and whatever. And, and I remember, and my, my mom, my dad, he's showing her all the stuff that he wants to do and talking about the tile that he's going to do. And I remember walking out of the, the hospital that night and we were getting ready to cross the street to go to the car. And I remember looking up at my mom going, Ma, that, that's awesome. Like, what do we, and I remember thinking like about Steven, my sister's father, like, what yeah. are you going to tell Steven? Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what we're going to, you know, we're going to go back with dad. Like, what are you going to tell him? And, you know, and, and she just looked down at me and she said, Nicole, she goes, no, no, you you know, your, your dad's not not going to leave this hospital, you know, and, and she, you know, she was basically trying to tell me to a child that she was trying to say this in comforting and, yeah. you know, and loving it. And I just got furious that she's lying to him. Like, I'm like, why are you lying to him? Like, what the hell are you, you know, what the hell are you, you know, telling him these, you know, you know, whatever. And I didn't get until I got it now, which I thought was like, just so endearing. Like they were so in love and she still loved them to the end. And like, you know, so she's like, has this new, she's newly been married and she has a newborn and she's like at the death bedside of her like teenage love and what her, her father's, you know, her daughter's father or whatever. But yeah. so anyway, um, he passes and, um, that was extremely devastating. That was the, that was, uh, you know, the second time, like, I, I really see my mom, like really like really depressed and, and having a hard time coping with that and sleeping a lot and all of that. And, um, you know, um, and then, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, my sister's father, uh, he, he was a very, he was a nice man and he was funny. Um, he was pretty funny. He was talented. He played the guitar and, um, but he, he had an alcohol problem and, and he kind of like that, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing or whatever, he would become pretty, uh, pretty abusive during, uh, uh, his yeah. stints of being drunk and, and come home. And my mom's like trying to work. And this is when we lived at country club and, you know, like she's like working, you know, she's working at Texaco and she has to, you know, wake up in the morning, get like two kids ready for school. And like, my sister's a baby and like, you know, he's out drinking, coming home and like, just causing a ruckus and fighting with her and 
breaking down the doors and like we're running out of the house and he's like you know popping tires parking his car behind mine the neighbors are at like it was we're calling the cops like the cops know me and my sister by our first name i mean we're drawing pictures for them to give to them every time we see them that's how often they were there like it was just and this is the 80s it's not something that like you know like you know they, they, you know, it's, it's totally different, you know, the domestic violence and, and, and you know, that, you know, it's like, all right, Hey, you know, you're going to sober up, you know, you're going to be good. You know, you have somewhere to stay for the night, you know, but, um, and that was just, just, just a terrible, you know, terrible situation. And I remember my mom kind of being fed up with it and, uh, trying to, we had this, I, we had, a, I had a beautiful, like in the same sense of like a really nice area where I lived and we had this, uh, beach club that we went to uh called the da beach club that i credit for like supplying me with a really good structure because it was like a little village that like kind of raised a little village so like if even if things were really you know not okay in my house i can always head down there and like know everybody and all the adults you know like even if i had no food like somebody's barbecue and they'll give you a burger you know like <clears throat> my grandmother was there and all that and so whatever we were members there and it was like good friends with the people DA and the people across the street too. Remember the building? Yeah, yeah. Those are some of my best friends. Um, yeah. Rudy and Jeannie, they they are. Um, yeah. So uh, so anyway, my mom was throwing a party for him. Like, I think it was like his birthday party or something like that. Like his 30th birthday. I mean, that's how young they are. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, 30. I'm saying 30. Like, they're, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, wow. So they throw, she's throwing a 30th birthday party and he's not there and it's, he's late and she does all this nice thing and she bought him a new guitar and all this stuff. Cause my mom is really lovely like that. Always wanted to make things nice for people. And, uh, and he shows up freaking late and he, and he goes to like directly walk upstairs to the bar. Like instead of joining like the party downstairs, like where at the tables were like Dave, like where she used to have your stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then I remember like, that's it. She just, she just, um, I remember she just, um, kind of like just was like all right kids she grabbed her stuff uh you know and just got up and I was like mom what are you doing the, the party you know the you know like the, the gifts the guitar and she was like nope and she just grabbed me and my sister's hand and we walked straight out of the the DA beach club and she decided to like that's it she's not going to deal with that and um and then uh that was that was good for a while and um that was tough and then he winded up uh passing away uh unfortunately uh uh crazily through you know due to a heroin overdose uh he was more of a drinker and um my mom would always say like he you know um like he was okay if he drank beer but like if you ever drank jack like that's when he would <clears throat> turn and but i never really knew much of him as, as abusing like hard drugs or you know and 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 yes. apparently he he dabbled in some heroin and and he od'd and i mean it's crazy, but uh, I don't say this very lightly and I'm not trying to sound crass or anything or make light of it, but people would joke and say like my mom's cursed or, or like what happened or, or something because my dad passed at 32 and then Steven died at 32. <laughs> they both were really young. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, <clears throat> that's that. And, and we're, you know, we're in country club and my mom winds up meeting a, a, a person um, who uh she you know uh, uh yeah who i think was the and the downfall of the downfloor and all, and all of this like she's pretty you know she's keeping it afloat we're doing okay you know we're life's pretty okay and then yeah she meets this person visiting a friend 
she visited a friend in, in, in a psych in a psych ward getting treatment and she went to go visit this friend and she met another person who was getting treatment there and um, decides to befriend this person and then decides to move this person in with her 11 year old and three year old uh, out of out of a psych place um, into their home. And, you know, at first, I, I guess, like, you know, like everything, it was pretty normal and you know it's kind of odd you, know, you have this other person coming in that you don't know and you're like what the hell and you know my sister's barely young and she just lost her dad and shit and excuse my language and um it's just uh it's odd like I, I think at that point I I, I was kind of it's like I was in the roller coaster without any brakes you know like yeah. you're in that you're in that bucket on the train and it's like, you know, you could break, you could go this way, you could go that way, but either way the train's coming. So you got to race it this way or race it that way. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yeah. So then, uh, he moves in and then, uh, things just started to kind of the, 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 the darkness started to show like, you know, that, 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 that pierce of innocence, like that, that piece of innocence or like when that ball, like kind of just starts rolling and you see the underside of it that you that you didn't even know probably existed because you never seen the ball roll but yeah it uh you know things went would start going missing like like things um like a bracelet of mine or like uh, a beeper uh, i went to the beach one time and i put the beeper on like the sun visor we used to have beepers like pagers and stuff <laughs> this before self this is before cell phones and uh and you know uh and I like we come back from the beach and he took the car out and I was like oh like I went to run out to get the and my mom's like oh he just took the car like you know whatever you know he'll be he's going to the store he'll be right back and I, and he came back and I just went down and it was gone and, and and I was like that's odd and just like little things here and there and um long story short the the whole entire house just got pawned for to serve his heroin addiction and then eventually my mother's yeah um, and, and I'm going uh, to, yeah. I'm going to pause you right there because um, we're going to, we're going to take just a little bit of a break um, and sure. uh, running out of time on our free zoom. Um, we got a minute left before they cut us oh, off. Oh boy. So um, we're so going to pause it right there and we're going to come back after the break and hear the, uh, the good stuff uh, that happened and, and hear the message from uh, uh, Nicole's life because, uh, and at this point where you've left us, Nicole, we're talking about um, you're still like, Young teenager? Um, I'm 11. 11. Wow. So yeah, we're going to pick it up and get to the good stuff. So we'll see you right after this break. <laughs> One sec. Hey guys, welcome back. We're still here with Nicole. So you can tell Nicole's life has been uh, a journey to say the least and uh, crammed a lot of it into the first 25% of your life. You put in more than a lifetime for a lot of people. And, uh, but, but it's not all, it's not all bad. I mean, you've been able to take that um, losing both of your parents, losing a dad at an early age, having pretty, tumultuous home life with 
mental health and, and, and addiction going on. Um, lost a sister. And yes. um, just, I mean, I'm always amazed when Dave tells me, I'm like, how does your cousin just keep on keeping on? And it's just, it's an amazing thing. Can you tell what you're doing now? Can you talk to us about, you know, what is your life like now? What are you doing, especially with your, the work that you do? Oh, and we sure love- nonprofit. Oh. oh, okay. We're here. Yeah, right. there we are. There we are. Okay. Working with so, technology. <laughs> sorry. Currently, I am a director for a nonprofit organization that supports developmentally and intellectually disabled people. Um, I've been I've been with the agency for 14 years. I started all the way as a direct support professional and kind of um, worked my, my, my way up um, through different positions. And now I get to get to basically oversee multiple group homes in the Hudson Valley. And wow. um, it's, it's a 24 hour job. I'm on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it's I've, I've held many positions. So, you know, not just to work my way up, but just, I have the experience, I, you know, as a, as a, on, you know, on the, on the, on the, boots on the ground, you know, on the floor as, as, a, as a counselor, as a direct support professional. Um, I've, I've, I've done all, all shifts. I've, you know, assistant BIS, which is a behavioral intervention specialist, assistant soup, supervisor, coordinator, you know, director, and um, working in many different regions and, and with uh, many different people who um, require many levels of different types of support. So, um, it's it's quite involved. And did you and get into I, this? I think, uh, <laughs> did you get into this because it was a job that you replied to on Craigslist, or was this a a calling that you had uh, in your life? Well, you know, I I, I have to say that I, I did go to, to school. I um kind of put myself through school. I I went to college. I. Uh, graduated with a double major of forensic psychology and criminal justice from John Jay um, in, in the city in New York. And um, I uh, really interned, I interned at a, what would you say is a, a children's prison, a, a children's secure detention. Um, and I really worked with, I wanted to work with children um, because I really wanted to have the influence um, and uh, the, uh, I guess the, uh, the ability to be able to work with a, ch- a child or a human being at, at an age that's young, you know, I, not saying that there's no hope for, you know, 45 or 55 year old recidivists, but, you know, I, I wanted to, to kind of affect children. I wanted to try to start that first. So I started interning in school in, in a children's secure detention and I, and I did children's programs. I really worked with like case managers. I did, um, you know, gang affiliations, you know, contraband, room searches, trending, um, but my favorite part was really working with the kids to um, kind of just, you know, develop. I would do like these little, you know, kind of monthly themes. And then I was taking all city tests and all that. And honestly, I, I didn't have really nothing going on. And uh, I was living in Yonkers, Yonkers, Yonkers <laughs> New York. And I was feeling a little bit down on myself because I was, you know. And Nicole, we're laughing because we're getting a combination. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get my feet in. I went to a couple of 
job fairs in here. <laughs> you've, you've disappeared into a coffee can on us. <laughs> you know, it's funny when, when people at my agency ask me how I, how I got into the work that I do. And, and I, t- are we, are yeah, we, now we're, oh, there we go. Oh, a combination went, of what? It was a combination of, of your, of Let your New York know. accent. And you're uh, the, you know, the, the, the lag. Rectify this whole situation. Okay. How we. It sounds a little bit like uh, if you watch the movie Big and they play the, uh, the, the, the piano where they dance on yeah. it. No. A little bit like that. Because if I just have. So let's see how. Oh, How are we doing? How are we doing now? Hey, now we're now we're back. We're cooking. We're cooking with gas. Awesome. So sorry. At no, that's what okay. Part, at what part did you lose me? Like we Yonkers. don't know. Yonkers. 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 You were in y- oh. Yonkers when you moved to Yonkers. That was good. That was pretty. That sounded pretty uh, natural. But you did that with just with your mouth. Okay. Yeah. So Yonkers, Yonkers. I was living in Yonkers. And, and went out uh, to, the, to the racetrack. Well, uh, there, uh, yeah, I actually lived right by the racetrack. I lived uh, off a mile square and uh, right there. Yeah, it's funny. And um, I uh, didn't have much going on. I took a walk to the store and, uh, you know, a lot of people at my place of work now, they'll, they'll say, how did I get into what I do? Or, you know, and I, and I say, it's funny. I say, oh, I, I stepped in it. And I kind of did because walking to the store, feeling kind of low that I don't have a job and graduated college and I want to start doing something. And uh, I was walking back. I got myself a coffee and walking back and I, it started to drizzle trying to get back to, to my house. And I stepped on the floor and I kind of slipped a little bit and it was an opened, like I'm from the Bronx, right? So we have like penny pinchers and it's like an open kind of like a little uh, local, you know, newspaper material, like little catalog that tells you things that are going on, like, you know, jobs and places to rent and, you know, whatever else. And uh, I looked down where I slipped and it was actually a penny saver. And I was like, oh, wow, I thought Bronx was the only one to have it. I was like, Yonkers has it too. And I basically looked down to like where I slipped and it had like a thing that's an open house, um, you know, healthcare and, um, you know, helping people and whatever else. So I kind of like ripped out that like little wet piece of, uh, you know, newspaper and I kind of held it close to my body and I walked home. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't disintegrate in my hand on my way home. And I called and it was an open house and I went to it, I guess a few days later and been doing it for 14 years, been, been, been doing it. So that's kind of how I got into it. I, I, I stepped in it. Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously, I know anytime you're working, anytime I'm working, helping somebody, um, my mom never gets it. My mom's bottom line on a job is what does it look like on your paycheck? What's the, you know, how many zeros before the decimal? And I'm like, mom, it's, it's so much more. And I know when I'm volunteering at the prison, working with people, I see, you know, th- that's the best part of my week is coming home and having done something. What, what reward are you getting out of doing the work that you're getting? Because you've been doing it for 15 years. So yeah. it's, it's rewarding. Um, yeah. On the financial, what, what do you get out of that? How does that feed you? I think it's probably the, the one thing in my life is the, is, is the, tr- the closest to the, the, 
the true form of who I want to be, like who, you know, like if you really think philosophically of, you know, you know, you kind of sit here and like, what are we doing? Like, why are we here? And what is my purpose? And, and, you know, if you go back to like, you know, intrinsically what drives you, you know, at the end of the day, what drives a person, like people are driven in many different ways and have many different experiences and, and, and core values, but, but we are all people, right? So it's the truest form of like, I don't have to search for meaning because I do it every day. Um, and I think that, um, you know, getting to be a part of, you know, walk, you know, the first day I walked into the group home and, and, you know, being green and, 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 and walking in where, you know, folks are intellectually or development disabled and, and they're, you know, on, on, I guess we would say least capable, right. Um, on the lower end and, 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 and seeing a counselor or, or somebody, you know, being able to help a person who doesn't communicate with words, help communicate their very primitive, um, primal needs, right. Mm-hmm. You know, food, health, all that clothing, you know, water, but, but also to, to, to kind of give them, give, give them a sense of, um, feeling, feeling that they are a person and a human with choice. Uh-huh. And, and, and with value and meaning and, and that their, their life is meaningful. So like having the perspective of like, you, you know, disabilities, you know, are, so far into some people, but understanding that at the end of the day, like I even tell them, we're just people working with people, right? Like we're, we're just people basically helping, you know, keep the dignity and, and, and the human dignity in, in something and helping people see grow to their potential and 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 have the human right to make a mistake and the human right to to live and to learn and um so going back to like what it what it does to me is is that you know i I think especially uh, after the pandemic i'd say like everybody's kind of like doing the great resignation and they're resigning and they're like all right well you know if this doesn't fulfill me if this you know you know i want to spend more time with my family or I need a job that pays more or, you know, I don't feel appreciated, you know, and, you know, you're researching, like I might search um, for other things in my life, right? Like new hobbies or search to like, you know, maybe organize my life a little bit better, but I'm never searching for meaning in the work that I do. Um, even, you know, it's challenging. I have to say like with the staff shortages and, 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 you know, just working, you know, and funding and, 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 and all of that and, and working through the pandemic and, really not having enough staff and, and having to kind of jump in. And, and you know, uh, even through those times, you know, as, as, you know, folks or people in my life be like, wow, that's, that's your job is like, you know, you're always going, you're, you know, like it kind of just blends in it into your life, you know, even in those times, I like it, it, it reinforces how much that job is meaningful because I, I never once thought like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I got to leave this. I got to, I got to not do this anymore because it fulfills me in a way um, that you can't put a price tag on. Um, yeah. I get to, yeah, I get to, I get to be a change agent in somebody's life. I get to help advocate for, um, basic human rights, but also that, you know, my agency comes from a very person centered point of view. So we're not just group homes and, and like a, like ran like a nursing home or caregivers, we're really person centered and letting, you know, which they always didn't always have a voice, right? Letting them really sit in the driver's seat of their life and not dictating what we think that they want out of their lives, yeah. but, you know, uh, them being to live, learn, laugh, grow, um, how, 
you know, me or you could. And, and I like, I like being able to spread awareness. I like people, you know, I like when people go, Oh, their families don't want them anymore. Is that why they're in that group home? And I say, and I just kind of like straight, you know, like really in the straight sense of like, well, what, you know, like what, what, like 50 something year old man, like you think that like, they should be still living at home. I said, they're, they have the greatest freaking life. I said, they're a bunch of adults. It's like, look at it this way. It's like seven or eight adults, like all getting together, chipping in their money, all living in a home. You know, we're just people there to support them. Like they have, they, they give back to the community. They have productivity. They volunteer. They, you know, they do things in whether they're, they're on the least capable you know, uh, spectrum of it. And they're, you know, maybe able to shred papers. They're taking those papers and they're stuffing the, you know, the dog kennels at the dog shelters with them. You know, they're, 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 they're stuffing envelopes for toys for tots and they're doing, I mean, they're, they're, they volunteer and give back more and they're more productive in the society than, than half the people I know. Yeah. And, you know, and they live more normalized lives. Like they set their table, they make their food, they take care of as much as they can, whatever their participation could be and to be able to foster that. So like, it's not normal for, you know, a, an older uh, disabled person to be locked away in their home and not have any socialization and not being able to wash their own dishes because they're, you know, because the awareness isn't out there. Like, I, I think that the stigma of like looking with somebody born with a disability is like, oh, I, we feel so bad for them. That they have a disability. So we must do all for them. And that is really the the backwards effect of it it's 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 like enabling their ability highlighting yeah. like not highlighting their disability but highlighting their ability and letting them have like the true human self-esteem and pride to be able to do for themselves um, the and, difference between empathy and sympathy you know yeah when you and in working in prisons it's the same thing that my number one focus and goal is to make sure that that inmate is a human they stop being a number because right. if, if people are people, they will respond like people. If people are numbers, they will respond like numbers. And if we want Correct. a person to be rehabilitated, come out and be a productive member of society and not take your car or sell your kid drugs or kill someone, we got to start treating them like people and that we got to let them know. We got to reach the person inside there. And so many of the guys that I go to when, when I come and I, I talk to them and I call them by name or I look them in the eye or I shake their hand or I call them, sir, they, you know, they just look as like, they're, they're so used to being an animal. They've just been told, okay, you're just this. And, and when I worked special ed, when I was in college, same thing. It's like, these are, are people, they're, they're actual human beings in here um, that, that do stuff. They laugh, they cry, they feel, they emote. It, it, they do it differently than we do. But, you know, the more we can see people inside of people, instead of just a person on the other end of Facebook that we can rant at the better my life gets, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole with this, but basically like when you hear people say I am the product of the system, I mean, it's systematic, like, because sometimes the system is so broken. It, it's, it's that it, that's kind of why I wanted to get into helping children because it's that, it's that children who maybe didn't have, have a voice. It's that child who, you know, who grows up to be, you know, and winds up lost in the system and becomes that number. And then they become bitter and, and hardened by being just outcasted and thrown and not being, you know, looked as a human and not, you know, we could go into the economic and resources and this and supports. I mean, it's, 
it's funny, but I think a lot of people take for, you know, uh, you know, without them unbeknownst to what you don't know, but a lot of people take for granted of the natural supports they have in their life. Like just being able to like, you know, if you got kicked out of your, like, you know, your house went on fire to like, did you, do, can you call somebody to stay? Like some people don't have that. Right. So right. like being grown up without family, without an extended family, without resources in your community and, um, you know, just being handed a couple of hard cards and then there you go, you might get lost in the system. And that person was not a number when they started, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Dave, you have anything to say? You're just sitting here. I'm, I'm just sucking it all in. Nice. Yeah. All right. So Dave, you just suck. I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> I'm the superfluous. There you are. You're superfluous. You uh, use the word. You did it. Bonus 10 points. bonus points. Very, very nice. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for doing this. This was really uh, super awesome. And uh, I've enjoyed being able to, uh, to get into it. If you guys want to hear more of Nicole's story, be looking uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, her book will be coming out. We don't have a title for it yet, but we were just talking beforehand about, uh, you know, getting a, a book of this life written because uh, it's just, it's uh, fantastic and amazing. And, um, uh, you know, every time Dave is talking about you, I'm just like, man, that woman is somebody. <laughs> to be heard it's it's uh it's very um very encouraging and um uh it, it it's uh i'm trying to think of the word but it's uh, it, inspirational yeah. uh it's inspiring wow. to see the stuff that you've been able to come from and through and to not be bitter uh and to want to give back and to help other people who need that help uh is just uh i'm i admire that uh that that spirit that keeps you going. So thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Of course. No, thank you for, for having me. This was, this was a great treat and I enjoyed it and, and it's a great thing you're doing. So I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll come back on if, if there is anybody interested Excellent. in my story. Yeah. And Hey, um, you know, we'll have to get together and have some session sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds yeah. good. Every 10 years, every, well, 20 years, 15 years, been a while. Yeah. Dave was young. Back, it was young enough that Dave was, was like young and like a little tiny boy. Yeah. We weren't even married yet. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even have to like yeah. you. Back then. We were in our 20s. I didn't even 20s. like you back then. Yeah. 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 It <laughs> no. was a, it was a while ago. It yeah. was, a, it was a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think well, I kind of crashed your trip too. You did crash the trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you pick him up every, he's staying at his cousin's house yeah, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, he'd, yeah. He'd pick us up. Uh, we'd pick him up every morning. We'd send him back on the, on the train. On the train. And then we found out we weren't supposed to ride the train out to Coney Island. Remember you and said. just ride it and just do so. Stuff. We were leaving the cottage. And yeah, he you says, should see your eyes. <laughs> we're leaving Whoa. the cottage. And he said, should you ride the train back to the Bronx with Nicole? And I said, no, probably. <laughs> you should probably ride the train to Brooklyn with me. <laughs> and then go all the way back to the Bronx by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I spent, uh, I spent a lot of young years riding the trains yeah. all the way down. Down. Going yeah. down to the village. Yes. Yep. Yeah, man, I know those trains like the back of my hand. I used to ride the middle of the trains. Used to stand in the middle and oh, that's ride. fun. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to do that, but uh, you know, yeah, dangerous. Now I can't do it. Now stronger heads prevailed. Um, we used to do that just to get some air when the car didn't have AC because it was so hot. So we just stand in the middle, just let the wind hit you. Wow, I've only done yeah. that with you. You've only done that with me, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hey, well, listen, folks, uh, find us on social media. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, if you're interested in giving, go to messituppodcast.com. Click on the Become a Patron button. That takes you to our Patreon giving section. Or if you want to do text to give, it's 760-WALLS-CA. 
text the word mum. Mum's the word to a wall CA there. That'll take you to our text to give site. And uh, thank you to all of our supporters, all of our listeners. Tell someone about it. Share it on Instagram or Facebook. Um, just if you're on the train in New York, hand your phone to a person, say, listen to this and hope that they don't take your phone. They won't. They're nice. Um, and if they take it, they needed it more than you did. So uh, you're doing a good thing. Um, and we will see you, I guess, next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. <laughs> <laughs>